Welcome not to Shoot This Now. I'm Tim Malloy, one of your two co-hosts. Matt is not here at the moment because I'm trying to do something kind of different and special while we wait for another episode. That is introduce another podcast I'm working on called Low Key. Very proud of it. It's something I'm working on with my friends Aaron Lanton and Keith Denny, where we're going to look at pop culture through a racial lens, trying to find low-key things that people may not notice the first time around and talk about why those things are actually very important. This first episode, we talk about Wakanda, the fictional African nation in Black Panther, and why it is kind of different from other countries on Earth. I think it's a really interesting discussion. I hope you like it too. We'll be back with another Shoot This Now soon. And enjoy Low Key. Here's Tim. Here's Aaron. And Keith. All right. All right, you're listening to Low Key. Uh, some of y'all for the first time, more than likely. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, and today we're going to be diving into a very popular topic, uh, Marvel's Black Panther, um, yeah. which is a movie that's gotten rave reviews. And everybody here liked it. Uh, I'm assuming that's correct still. I liked it. I loved it, actually. <laughs> I mean, I definitely was feeling it too. Keith, I know uh, you and I, we actually uh, had talked quite a bit about it and, and you know, our, uh, you know, all the things we love about the movie. But there is a, a few yeah, other if things. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you might want to click over and check out the Meanwhile in the, Meanwhile in the Multiverse podcast, where there's a whole review of Black Panther before we even get into the issues of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, uh, Go check, check out Meanwhile in the Multiverse if you have an opportunity. Uh, but for this, we're not going to talk about plot points. We're not going to kind of regurgitate things that happen in the film. What we're interested in is uh, Wakanda as a character, its legacy, and uh, the um, the consequences of uh, becoming an isol- isol- uh, say isolated nation. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I put it. Um, so, you know, I thought that... Um, you know, a good place to start would be to refer to a story that uh, Tim brought to our attention. If, if you could just kind of give us a, a lowdown of what's going on in the Congo with cobalt. Well, yeah. In Wakanda, one of the ideas is that there's this material vibranium that powers pretty much everything. I sort of suspect that it even powers the heart-shaped herb because they're both the same color, mm-hmm. blue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know for sure, but that's sort of my read on it. I can't and Vibranium is is a symbol of something, I mean, but it's basically a symbol of the thing that makes Wakanda great. Um, And one thing that makes Black Panther different from reality is that this country, this African country, has managed to protect its resources from the rest of the world. I mean, that's really the reason that Wakanda, um, I think it suggested, has deliberately kept sort of low-key, to borrow the name of our podcast. Um, (laughs) And... In real life, of course, what always happens is there's an amazing substance that just gets extracted and exploited forever. So we see it with diamonds in South Africa by the Dutch and many others, and with with um, uh, you can the think DRC, of spices uh, out, uh, you know, in India and elsewhere. You could think of uh, the exploitation of laborers for cotton. Uh, you know, slavery here in this country. There's a lot of different examples of 
I mean, like, colonizers tended not to do it just for the hell of it because they thought it was fun. They did it because oh, yeah. it was something to take. Like, even if you think about the gold and the Incas and things like that, um, it's a very common thing. And so the idea that you could protect that resource, whatever it might be, um, is, you know, pretty significant. If you're putting it in a – if you're doing a what-if story for – people who actually were able to protect their resources instead of have it lost. Um, Keith, is that kind of how you you see this film discussing that subject also? Yeah, I, I, I kind of see it the same way too, especially um, when you put it in the context of like if that nation actually existed and they see all these other different nations and countries around the world that um, had certain resources, like you said, like the Mayans with their gold and American cotton and things like that and they had it um taken away from them and and I could understand like like Wakanda as a fictional nation um feeling like everything and their livelihood would be taken away from them also from um Europeans or imperialists I, I thought it was really funny just while we were getting ready to talk about this funny is not really the right word but when we were getting ready to talk about this coming across the CBS news article that I believe was based on an I want to say an Amnesty International study. Yeah, exactly. Yep, from two years ago. Yeah, of the Congo, where there's lots of child labor mining for cobalt. And cobalt, Aaron didn't even need to open the story. He's like, I know exactly what this is. Cobalt is used in computers. It's used in phones. It's used in everything. It basically is the vibranium of the modern world. Mm-hmm. Of Silicon Valley and everything else is, you know, jumping off and becoming ultra rich. And I just looked at like pretty much every product I like and own from like my Apple computer I'm on right now to whatever else and realized like, oh yeah, there's a very good chance that a child in the Congo went into a river and basically panned for this, like a 1840s miner in California. Yeah, children as young as four without any labor protections, obviously, um, or anything like that. And when a question about this supply chain, companies such as... Apple and Dell and so on have said, well, I mean, we have asked the people who are contracted to uh, pull these minerals for us to not use child labor. And and we've gone through the kind of legal red tape to be as compliant as as we're asked to be. Um, They buy this material from this Chinese company. Uh, I forgot the the name of it, but uh, basically they're far enough removed legally. Um, all these different companies will never be touched with um, any sort of international trade constraints from their use of child labor. And yeah, to be, I don't want to say to be fair or exculpatory, but to sort of understand it better, if you did send any of us in and said, fix this, looking at the actual situation, you would kind of be at a loss as to what to do. I mean, I think you would have to spend so much money bringing in people, certainly taking the kids out of those jobs and putting adults in those jobs and then having somebody regulate this all the time and pretty much eliminating Actually, I guess I do know what they have to do. You really have to eliminate the middleman and have all of these countries go and have all of these companies go and spend the money themselves to do it. But who wants to do that when you can pay these kids almost nothing? Yeah, and hopefully CBS News only does a story every two years and then the rest of the time you're off the hook. Well, I mean... Hopefully. There's no legal ramification the way the system is set up currently. The only thing that would affect them is dollars. If people said, I see this story and I'm so um, 
I'm so just disgusted that I'm not going to use your products anymore. That would, you know, get things started, but that's mm. just not the place that we're in. Yeah, and, that- you know, the exploitation of of people or, or the lack of, of uh, care towards them is very similar to what we see from uh, the people of Wakanda to what's going on around them in the world globally. In, in the fictional story uh, that set in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Another thing with that, like, um, kind of like what you're suggesting is people boycotting it or not spending money on those particular products. I mean, I feel like a lot of people don't even know what cobalt is. Well, even I'm, if you I'm, did, I'm actually one it's, of it's present in everything. <laughs> yeah, but you, but 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 most people wouldn't even know that. And then also, I think that people just turn a blind eye to something, like even if it's something that that could affect the lives of other people. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, well, they're all the way over there. They ain't got shit to do with me. Now, is that how Wakanda looks at it, do you think? And Black when Panther? They look, when, so, when they look at the so, world... So, I, I, do, I do think that they look at it like that, but they also um, look at it from a more superiority type of standpoint. Um, how, like, w- w- like, within the movie, how, how where are you reading that? I'm just curious. It's just, it's just like small things that they say. Um, like, like even how they called the white guy colonizer, or even <laughs> how they said um, how how Killmonger's father already automatically knew that he wasn't gonna be accepted by his own people, and I don't think that that had anything to do with his father's betrayal, but it was because he's technically not Wakandan to them, and he didn't grow up in Wakanda. And he grew up, I guess, I think, I think like the outside world, outside of Wakanda, based off what I was getting from it, they're seen as savages. Well, I, I read that more as he is a secret that almost no one knew. And he's shattering their worldview at this moment, because that would mean that T'Challa's father is uh, not as pure as they had believed. I mean, T'Challa himself, you know, early on talks a lot about how his father is this great man. And after that, when he sees him again in, in the, uh, I forget what it's called, that that um, kind of like afterlife plane. Thing. Yeah, it's like the yeah. ancestral plane. Yeah, afterlife plane thing. Boy, I sound so smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he, he says to his father, you know, well, not to his father, but to all the, the previous kings, you were wrong. Yeah, um, T'Chaka starts off being really built up, and then by the end of the movie, he's gotten totally torn down. It really is the thing that happens to, I guess, everybody's father figures, where yeah. you go, oh, "There's a great man," and then, oh, maybe not. All the previous yeah. generations. Well, once you realize that human. Um, yeah, all the previous generations are kind of torn down as having made mistakes for one reason or another. Um, yeah. Now, the thing that was interesting to me, because you spoke about how they spoke of white people and called them colonizers and stuff like that, but they don't... Basically, say as, a, as, a, as, a, as a white man, I'm offended by everything Trey says in the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's so you, hurtful. You ought to be so angry. <laughs> you ought to see the look on his face right yeah. now. I mean, he's laughing, but that's an angry Irish laugh. Yeah, that's like... I'm to laugh in my tears. The colonizer, <laughs> another broken white boy for us to fix. She gets all the best lines. Yeah. All the well, except for one of those. That was you could tell that was written back in 2016. Yeah, you could tell because I don't think people say that anymore, right? Um, 
They mm-hmm. might say it in a more crude manner. Mm-hmm. But then again, <laughs> I don't even know what people still say low key. So nothing. We gonna rock it anyway. <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't taken. No phrase lasts forever. So, um, but but, but yeah, so I did. I do think that they felt like they were superior to the rest of the world. Um. And and not just because there's there's also this thing, and I'm not speaking for every African in this world, but there's also this thing with Africans that think that they're somewhat superior than African Americans. Uh-huh. And and, and I'm yeah. sure you've experienced it, you know, a lot of us experience it. And it's even, you know, vice versa. Some African Americans feel like they superior to Africans and they, you know, they don't have won't have anything to do with Africa or they ancestry, so it's kind of like both ways, but there is a certain arrogance that comes from the Wakandans in the film that I don't think most people like notice it. You know, when you just first watch, it. I've seen it a couple of times, but um, I think that also add to why they didn't want anything to do with the rest of the world. Um, well, I, I mean, so I guess that's the question. Um, uh, Nakia is it Nakia or Nakia? Uh, yeah. She speaks about needing to stand up and help people outside of Wakanda. Yeah. And it seems like, and I'm not certain, but like th- this movie seems to be focusing that particular um, uh, from the Wakanda's perspective, that that hand to kind of assist the world seems to particular in particular to the African diaspora. Now they come to the United Nations and, and it seems a little more wide open, but um I guess the thing that, that interests me in in this film is are we the, the Wakanda that we're saying, will we consider it in a vacuum to be an ethno state? Interesting. Now, can you define what? define ethno state like completely, just for people who don't really know what that is? Essentially, it is um, if you were to achieve an ethno state, it would have a uniform, uh, not just national but ethnic background um, for an entire community. Like the idea of being like everybody, there's no such thing as assimilation. Everybody is pretty much the same. And you all have the same values. You all look the same. So I mean, kind of like Richard Spitzer's wet dream for America, for white people. Spencer. Yeah. This, so Nazi Germany would be the, the bad version of an ethno state. Right. I don't, is there a good, that, I guess, is there a good version right. of an ethno state? I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's, yeah, I, fair point. It, <laughs> so, so, so as, as a, somebody who you know believes in so-called American values, I would say, well, good ethno state seems a little oxymoronic to me. Well, you know, there's some. I think it's like there's some when somebody's coming from a position of oppression where they're like, we got rid of every other race, now we are the pure white race. That sounds really insidious and awful. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm reading a book right now about. And I won't go too deep into this, but I'm reading a book right now about Native Americans and the Osage Osage uh, tribe. And like, if they'd been able to maintain an ethno state and had been able to cut off their communication with the whites, probably would have worked out much better for them. And and they certainly did try to like keep their own 
keep their own culture going and were constantly undercut. So I think it's like, I think the notion of an ethno state becomes more attractive when you've been a victim of colonization and when you've been a victim of people coming in to take your resources. I think yeah. ethno state, like as a, as a goal can only make sense if you know you can protect yourself from outside yeah, so, attacks. So pretty much Wakanda is the nation that the, the world that the nation of Islam wanted to create when you think about it. Or or but but even to Tim's point, so if we're talking about Native American peoples and, and I'm not I'm not and, and I don't, person and I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm not trying to do the thing where where like let's talk about every single issue and dilute the issue that we're talking about, which is specifically an African country. This, this is a good parallel actually. Um I, I think all right, well, I'm not historian. I'm just throwing this out. I'm just putting out that disclaimer. But I think in a situation where you see these, uh, what do they call the different um, lands given to indigenous people by the government where they're supposed to be left alone to their own devices, you know? Reservations. Reservations, yeah. yeah. So if reservations could have been set up, and, and I guess at that point they wouldn't be called reservations, if, if indigenous people could have created like their own separate nation within the concurrent United States, um, and had weapons that were equivalent or beyond what the United States had on hand, mm-hmm. that changes the dynamic of how a lot of things function because they would sign these different agreements with the government and the government would uh, not follow through on those agreements. Now, if they don't follow through, through on those agreements and you have similar military might, that changes the dynamics of that relationship. You know? I think that's where Wakanda becomes a really positive fantasy for a lot of people who've right. been through this who've you know latin america that's been stripped of resources by colonists um native americans who've been stripped of their resources certainly africans um and you it does start to sound really appealing like what if we could just have our own country and keep these people out and thrive on our own but another, I, okay i don't want to interrupt um but i was just thinking to add to your point so what is the downside of an ethno state you know because it, it honestly, in a sense, it sounds sounds pretty nice, but would would you have to, in what, one way or another, have to oppress the people of that state? Because what if they what if they want to leave? Or so what this if might they... be part of the thing. So I've been reading through um, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' uh, run of Black Panther. Uh, I think it began in 2016. I am not done with it. I, it's not a quick read, so uh, it's, it's the densest comic book you'll ever read. Oh my god! I mean, I'm the well. No, it's not the. I've read <laughs> it. Um, even something like Sandman with Neil Gaiman, it's it's dense in a different way, um, and the action tends to flow a little quicker, which is really hilarious. Uh, but. At the same time, uh, I mean, it's a good book. It's worth a read. But one of the things that they talk about is kind of like uh, how the legacies from the different tribes and, and within what kind of... So, um, so I will regurgitate this from the movie. So there were five tribes fighting uh, to secure the, the borders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clan with Umbaku. Jabari. Uh, yeah. Huh? The Jabari. Yes. Uh, the, the people who live out in the mountains. So they don't join the other four tribes. The four, there are four tribes that, that make up Wakanda and build the Golden City and all that stuff. Uh, but 
it seems what starts happening um, as you go through more of the different stories is there's always a break within amongst the people. Like even if you have a ethnostate politics or politics, things are going to occur, and it's not going to be because of people's identity alone. There'll be identities that are still present, but they represent themselves different ways. So it just becomes things humans do. Period. So like some people think you need to take more mili- militaristic um, approaches to certain things. Others don't. This creates a rift. Blah 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 blah. And it, it doesn't have anything to do with identity. Uh, on its own, as far as like how we the the skin color and all that, but it becomes identical when it comes to pacifist versus militaristic, you know. And then from there, it breaks down to a whole bunch of other stuff too. So there's still going to be those sorts of uh, social stratifications. They just manifest different. Yeah, it's interesting. It isn't like a. It isn't like everybody there considers themselves part of the exact same culture. Because definitely the Jabari are a very different culture that doesn't even interact with the others except to come down and fight Black Panther once in a while. Mm-hmm. Now think about the neighborhood you came from, Tim. And I don't, I don't, uh, I know you you grew up in, in Cali. I don't know exactly where, but this would almost be like saying like different suburbs having different issues. Like it's it's going to be like majority white. It's going going to have similar values for this, that, and the other. But there are going to be certain things you're just not going to agree on. You know, some oh, yeah. places might have arcades. Some places have you know, whatever else, play certain sorts of music, so on and so forth, there's always going to be breakdowns. And so, like, there's this assumption that for a lot of people, if you build an ethnostate, everything becomes okay. There's no such thing as chaos or crime or whatever. Well, it's funny because, like, that's a good example because, like, I I love California so much and I'll, like, rep for California all the time. But if you mention Torrance, which is the town, one town over from where I grew up, I'm like, oh, Torrance, those people are the worst. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that's, but that's part of, but that goes to the anthropological thing of um, me against my brother, me and my brother against my cousin, me and my brother and my cousin against the world. Mm-hmm. It's I, like as much as Americans might fight amongst ourselves, I think if we were all stuck together in China and we we're having issues and customs, I think we would all probably have each other's backs. If we could yeah. all identify each other. Yeah, and I guess see the the question I think that's probably most interesting is does Wakanda have like so again let's just imagine a situation where this fantasy world has everything because Marvel does say this like there are world wars and stuff and Captain America's involved and blah 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 like a lot of the uh, historical uh, events that take place in the actual world take place in the Marvel world so. Yeah. While all these things are happening, like, for example, while the Red Skull's doing his thing, and, you know, there are hints that the Holocaust is taking place in, in yeah. Captain America, but they don't say it outright, you know. Yeah. Why would, I mean, there, there's many examples of, like, uh, you know, basically um, genocides occurring all over the place. And um, why would they allow any one of those in particular to even happen? Um are they are they obligated to be the world police? Another, I don't know. You know, another thing I was thinking about that, even to add to that, they sat back and watched all of Africa become enslaved and carved in half by by Europe. But well, that's also, why Killmonger is coming after him. Like, yeah, that, but you know? but also if we want to go back into this whole Marvel universe, since you mentioned Captain America, even right. when you look at the first Avengers, New York was attacked by it was a whole mm-hmm. alien invasion, like thousands of people died. It was like the Marvel Universe's 
like I, I don't want to compare it to any real time thing, but it, it was it was it was shit. Like in and in every whether you watch the Defenders, whether you watch Jessica Jones, any of these movies, they always mention it and they call it the event. And yeah, with with Wakanda, if they were already involved in the rest of the world, that in that whole situation would have probably turned out differently because they would have been able to fight the aliens back with vibranium uh, weapons. Yeah, I'm going to give Wakanda a pass on all of the stuff that happened in the past because we don't know what kind of technology they had. Exactly. But if we just want like a clear-cut moral issue, like, yes, they definitely could have gotten and pitched in on the New York situation and they didn't. Were they justified? I might say yes because they've got to figure like the risk of exposing themselves to the risk of going to the reward of helping. I mean, there's not that much reward to go help the colonizers. Um, <laughs> to borrow her word, well, um, and, and, and who probably created the problem? Who totally created the problem? Like, if you That's go back true. and look at the Avengers, a lot of this stuff was totally avoidable. And if they did have the intelligence, and when I say not, I'm not talking about IQ, but I mean like the kind of uh, the information, like spies everywhere, letting them know what was going on, then you know, I might sit back and 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 come pick up the pieces after everybody got through fighting and exhausted themselves, you know. Yeah, another thing I was thinking about now that y'all mentioned it, in 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 a sense, it's it's kind of like a double edged sword, because also in the in most of the Marvel movies, everything that's usually fought fought over is like some type of technology, or some type of way to make super soldiers or or anything like that. So vibranium would have just been another thing for people to try to fight up fight for, or they can fall in the hands of the wrong person. So maybe that's a, well, I guess you know, it's not clear why reason. they don't want intervention. So, like for example, at the start of Black Panther, when they're in Oakland, we don't know what they're planning. All they show us is is, is clearly around the time of the Rodney King riot, mm-hmm. um, and they're loading up weapons, and they got some vibranium with them too. So I don't I don't know if they're going to use some of that vibranium to you know, augment a weapon or whatever, but they showed cops, they showed weapons, they showed vibranium. Were they about to go after cops? Perhaps. It's unclear, but, but like, there's a militaristic tone right there. So, I feel, I feel like the parallels there, did you feel this, that the parallels to the actual Black Panthers, the real-life Black Panthers, were, like, so overt that there was no other way to look at it? Yeah, at the uh, very yeah. beginning. It's yeah. in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's totally intentional. That's also where the director from, so that might also him paying homage to where he's from. Man, he always gonna play his movie in, in his first <laughs> in his first movie um, took place in Oakland, and I think Summer Creed was in California too. The yeah, beginning. yeah. Uh, I mean, I ain't even seen the movie, and I I know that much. I still need to watch the movie. I feel ashamed. Yeah, you should yeah. be ashamed. Um, what? Man, you had to double down. Nah, it's it's like. <laughs> to me, to me, Creed is like a black superhero movie too in itself. It, like it's kind of like I don't know. It's like the same thing, really. All right, well, let's let's <laughs> go back to the topic because we'll we'll be on that forever. Okay. Yeah, we'll uh, all right. Blah blah blah. blah Oakland. Roger King. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, what did you guys read from that? Did you guys think that they were about to go use the weapons to attack the cops, or like what did y'all see in that scene? I think they were definitely going to try to uplift people who were downtrodden in some way. Okay, so why would Wakanda stop it? 
be, I, my read was T'Chaka is so committed to this idea of um, Wakanda, Wakanda first and isolationism that even if they were going to do a good thing, he's not going to get involved. Yeah, that and they stole Vibranium. And that's a no no. Yeah, so so I think it's really the betrayal part. Why did he choose to work with Claw? That was kind of confusing to me. I didn't get that. Well, I think it's because, I think it kind of makes sense to me. Like, he wanted it to seem like the vibranium was stolen, which it was. And that way it would be sold off into the streets. Because, um, but. So he probably found like that would be the best way for him to do it without being noticed that he was connected to it. Yeah, but you're working with, I'm I'm putting it this way for the sake of making the argument from their perspective, but you're making a deal with an oppressor who you don't, you feel like you can't trust. But, Which but essentially, love. essentially is Claw an oppressor more so than he just an opportunist? I think that Claw really just doesn't give a fuck. They like, just like, I'm talking about from not Claw's perspective, but from their perspective. Like, why would they choose to work with him? What is I, the advantage? I don't think what's the what's the brother's name? Um, Killmonger's father, huh? We just gonna call him Forrest Whitaker. No, not Forrest Whitaker. The the brother. What's the Jabu. brother's name? Uh, no, what? no. I'm sorry. No, it's not. It's it's uh no, it Killmonger, isn't Jabu. Killmonger's dad and, and Jabu. Yeah. yeah. So I've been saying it wrong. I don't. I don't think that it was. Of course, he felt like he couldn't fully trust Claw, but he also know that Claw is just he just an opportunist, and he wanted to get his hand on um, vibranium. So in a sense, he felt like they can spark a deal, and you know, both both win at the end. And he probably so was going to eventually. So he's relying on Claw stealing it, but not him going back and getting it himself. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Oh, okay. And then, and then essentially, his his son uses Claw for a re, you know, for his own little thing too. So Claw was always a pawn. They did a they did a good job of showing that because as soon as he's about ready to get on that plane, he takes out Claw. <laughs> and he shoots his own girlfriend. Yeah. Are you talking about no fucks was given? The thing oh. about okay, was there a point in the movie when you sympathized with Killmonger? The whole when you were like, movie he's actually me. right. Yeah, I kind of felt that way a lot throughout no. the movie. It was it was tricky for me to watch that because I kind of feel like I feel like a lot of that movie it's like it's not my place to make judgments about what people in this movie do. But like this is like as a white person I should sort of just like sit back and watch this play out and listen more than I talk. So it's it's taken me 4 weeks of thinking about this. Um but I did feel like they kind of unfairly stacked the deck against Killmonger because his his point, his fundamental point that we should be supporting people who are downtrodden all over the world and help them is right. But then the deck is stacked because he also is an asshole. Yeah, I mean, he, he kills his girlfriend. And he's essentially evil. But um, yeah. but he's not just evil for the sake. He, he's really just a, exactly like Magneto in a sense. Well, like, I think... The reason I, I I didn't call him sympathetic is I am um, I'm kind of cognizant of or I try to be I should say cognizant of the larger issue there um, in that one of the reasons that the world continues to be in so much strife like if you looked at um, th- this is very true 
for a lot of Asian relationships, Middle Eastern relationships, and even a lot of the stuff that we see today in, in our country as far as the history, somebody has to, to not really let go necessarily. Because you don't, if you, if you, well, excuse me, not, you don't want to forget the errors of, of the past, how somebody has done you wrong. But there has to be a point at which um, somebody says enough blood is enough blood. Like yeah, one but. of the, the consequences or one of the stories that, that you see repeated oftentimes in manga, like Shonen in particular, is that adults tend to pass down the legacy of violence to their children. And so it just goes generation to generation to but, generation. But at the no same time, he wasn't raised by his father. America raised him. All he yeah. did, like he said, he learned from his oppressors. And like, and it's, and it's, you know, it's, I'm, 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 you know, I'm pretty positive and stuff like that too. But there's also that whole concept of like, you, you can always take the, the, the better route and the more positive route and, and the more humanistic route. And I think that's, that's great, but that's also assuming that your oppressors are the same way. Well, but here's the thing though, like. Because it's, it's motherfuckers out here that will wipe wipe out a whole group of people and not even bat an eye. And we've right, seen that throughout history. At least as far as the film goes, his father, you, I mean, look, his father, we didn't see the way he, his father's disappointed when they meet in the afterlife of what he's turned out to be. But it's not like his son didn't have his text. He, he did get to know that his father was militant and that his father had uh, things he felt like had been historical wrongs from white people to black people in the United States. Um, it felt like likely this stretched out beyond, uh, you know, and, and turned to a global catastrophe. Certainly. But yeah, like you, you could, so, somebody has to, has to say enough is enough. Like, you know, it, it takes real leadership. It takes a lot of grit to be the person to say, we're not going to continue this violence. Because at some point it has to stop. Like somebody has to stop hating the other person. Like otherwise, yeah. the cycle will continue to perpetuate forever. You know, that's part of why you have some people at least attempt diplomacy. You know. Yeah. So I yeah. don't know, man. It's, so, it's complicated. No, nah, I feel like I, I feel bloodthirsty now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that no, being said, just to kind of um, that was something that we we kind of brought up, but we didn't really touch on too much but with Wakanda being in in this um in this world being such a you know powerful nation or whatever should they police the world yeah that's another question it's like should they the one hand you've got um it's Mojave Mojave mm-hmm. is basically going to use like it's Mojave right oh mm-hmm. what are we talking about Mojave is in Oakland right uh Unjavu I believe Umjabu? Okay. So he's going to use kind of like, let's say terrorist tactics. Let's say like outside of the, outside of the, the military tactics to do this. Um, But then there's another role that kind of could play, which is not that, but policing the world. And I think they're definitely taking a position of like, we are not going to take that. We're not going to take on that role. And then you've got kind of the nice version of all of it, Nakia, um, Lupita's character who's saying like we're going to go out and help the world, we're going to educate the world we're going to provide aid but we're not going to get involved in military affairs it seems like but, so 
Yeah, I mean, her influence to T'Challa is pretty clear. In the well, that mid-credit scene where they speak to the United Nations. The, the thing is, we're no longer going to hide. We are a lot more than what you believe we are, and you know, uh, we're going to be um, taking a leadership role going so, forward. So, what happens in the situation where this just, just like in in real life, where so Wakanda is the most powerful nation, and then let's say that. Some some other country decides that they want to commit genocide against another group of people, and so the world sees this happening. Should Wakanda step in, or same thing with America? Like we see certain things come that happen that's heinous and things, and some some situations we stepped in, and you know we stepped in for rather it was altruistic reasons or some type of gain for us as a nation, but either way, we felt like we had the need to step in. Like, is that is that necessarily right? Because eventually, that, I feel like you get to the point where, like, you the daddy of the world, and and you gotta, if somebody step out of line, you gotta whoop their ass and make them sit in the corner or whatever. And then before you know it, you're telling every country around the world what they should and should not be doing. Yeah, and I think, so I'm not certain that that's the reason uh, Wakanda has been hesitant to take that leadership role. I mean, the one thing that's interesting to me is, well, I mean, there are many, but Ryan Coogler originally said that this movie had a four-hour cut. I'd be really curious to see what was taken out because it seems like some of the reasoning for their isolationist views would be more clear in a, a longer cut of the film. It's, it's it could be so many reasons though. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know right. if it's the same reasons as in the comic. I mean, it's you know, it's it's always about like protecting, but it's like protecting Wakanda from what? And I, you know, also there's always these hints of like Khan is coming in trying to do this and do that. Also, but, there was um, you know, while we talking about when we mentioned ethno states, there was that one scene where um. Where, where Killmonger had mentioned, you know, how they sitting here looking all high and mighty where there's people that look just like them around the world that's suffering. And then that's when T'Challa said his duty is is to his people. And he said, he said, then life, all life started in Africa, so ain't all people your people? That's what I mean, yeah. And, and yeah. so there's also, I know I'm going like completely left field with that, but this, but there's a, that goes back to my theory that Wakandans... Um, I guess low key or subconsciously think that they're superior to the rest of the world. In a sense, they kind of alien to everybody. Yeah, and I think it, it's because damn, I, I almost said that. And I think it's because of their exposure to vibranium. Because even if you go back to the beginning of the film, they said how um the vibranium had mutated the plant life too. Mm-hmm. So if everybody eating these plants, everybody. Is they don't even know where this this meteor came from. It came from outer space somewhere, and it might be something that influenced them by by biologically as people, and to where like they not only you know have this advanced technology, this this they they own religion, all of that, but they also have this concept that the rest of the world is completely different from us. Well, I wouldn't say that it's. I think the. Being isolated. It's almost like they're not human that. in a sense. I don't know if it's biological <laughs> from the from the asteroid and the vibranium. I would say 
you know, there, there are a lot of examples I can think of before I uh, went to college and, I mean, got to meet different sorts of people and, and from all over the world. Um, I had a lot of very narrow viewpoints of people. Um, and they are, you know, I mean, you, you have thoughts about whether, not just whether you're better than people, but there are assumptions you might make about people you've never been around before until you start kind of being around others and you see there are people who are smart and dumb and, you know, of all backgrounds. It don't really matter exactly where you're from mm-hmm. or what your ethnicity is, all that. There are dumbasses everywhere. There's geniuses everywhere. Yeah. Is what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. But the, but they don't have but the, but the thing is everyone is below them in everything in their view. They are likely the most athletic people in the world. They definitely have the best technology. Are they the smartest? Well, they might not be the smartest, but they got the coldest shit. So you know, if anybody ever tried to attack them, they can't really do anything. So why would they ever listen to anything from the outside world and not feel like it's stupid? Uh, another thing that's different um, in comparison to the movie, to the comic books, like in the comic book world of Black Panther, everyone knows who the Wakanda is and what they're about. Whereas in the film, they they fake as if they're a third world country. Now, now what? And and kind of pretty much hide in plain sight. Yeah. So I thought well, that that itself was interesting. It takes a while for the comic to get to that point. But yeah, I mean, where we are now in the comics, that's Wakanda's been a well-established uh, mainstay globally. Everybody knows what Wakanda is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tried to figure out what country Wakanda could stand in for. Mm. Like, what could it symbolize? And by the end of the movie, and I might be totally wrong, but by the end of the movie, it felt like it's obviously standing in for the United States because they're basically reject, rejecting the Trumpian idea of we're going to build walls, we're going to isolate ourselves. They're saying we have to extend our hand, we have to help other people in the world. Yeah. This is our responsibility. And it's almost like a shame on you, America, a little bit. Not a, not a like chiding negative shame on you, but like a you're better than this. Well, when Black Panther was created, what is that, late 60s, early 70s, something like that? Mm-hmm. So... The original parallel would be to what, I guess? Um, what's happening? So Vietnam's taking place, but um, I don't know if, if the foreign policy at the time was about building barriers uh, or erecting barriers, keeping people away. The film was first in production in 2016, but you know, I guess the parallel with Trump could be intentional, but it seems like something that probably was more accidental. I don't know. Um, it, it's a weird there's a lot of one thing I like about the movie is the complexity of it and kind of the messiness of it because none of these metaphors work that well like what country Wakanda could also be doesn't really work well at all um, and the Trump thing does only enter into it at the end well let, let's bring it full circle actually um, <laughs> man I <laughs> I, I haven't said it out loud. It's just I'm I'm laughing because this this is like totally impossible. But what if people actually paid wages to like? And when I say wages, like fair wages, like wages, they there's a lot of reasons. What I'm about to say from an econo- economic standpoint sounds really crazy. But what if they were going to pay people in the Congo American wages, mm-hmm. like minimum wages, to do the things they're doing in those dangerous conditions? 
because first off, it wouldn't even be like not considered dangerous. There's a lot of additional infrastructure that's even provided. But let's say you don't even do that. You just say we're going to pay you American minimal wages. A lot of those profits go straight down. Um, not that not that they won't make a lot of money. It's just ain't going to be as much as they have in making hand over fist. Um, if you did that, even in, in considering the previous exploitation has historically been done, that would do wonders for that area. Mm-hmm. For that particular country, and there's several examples—not just a cobalt, but all kind of things—all throughout Africa. Africa is a mineral mine all around, mm-hmm. and none of those resources legally belong to those people. They belong to so-called colonizers. Mm-hmm. You know, like they don't reap the benefits of having those natural resources. So, who's the stand-in? Hell, oh, hell, a shit ton of Africa. Like they don't benefit from having the natural resources present there it didn't even say globalization that shit was happening centuries before they put legal Mm -hmm. legal things in place in those nations where they established their own government and said now it's all our shit and our international law from the west oversees or supersedes excuse me your current laws we don't care this is ours now and it'll continue to be ours and we'll continue to trade with it in the markets and this and that and just put our stamp on it. It'll never belong to you again. We'll never pay you uh, a fair amount for this, period. Mm-hmm. So, who's the stand-in? The continent itself. The entire continent. Feels like it. Because I can't... If you really are going through it, and this would be a great time when we bring in an expert to break this down for us, but um, particularly when it comes to places like Silicon Valley, it's not like they get the, the things that they need to build these sets of technology from California. Right. Like, all this stuff comes from Africa. Well, yeah, we always do talk about, like, California always says, like, oh, we could just split off from the rest of the country. We'd have the eighth largest economy in the world. Not by ourselves, we wouldn't. Yeah, so if California splits off and then the United States government says, oh, that's fine. Hey, um, China, who, <laughs> like, you have a company over there who owns most of this stuff in the Congo. Uh, we're going to impose a shit ton of tariffs on cobalt. Mm-hmm. Bring it over here if you want to. Now, you could do it, but then you'd have to, you know, price your products, you know, you have to mark them up quite a bit to make a similar profit. And consumers are going to go for that, blah, blah, blah. You see the ramifications there. Anyway. Um, but yeah, essentially, the reason people make such a broad paint. Wakanda was such a broad brush for at the African continent is that particular reason. But none of the natural resources belong to the continent itself. Through all this legal machinations that have been built up through colonization, nothing mm-hmm. belongs to them. And what does belong is, you know, a drop in the bucket. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not fair. There should never be a situation where a ten year old kid is the primary owner of mining diamonds in dangerous conditions and he's you know, making maybe a couple of American bucks a day, that's crazy. So, I mean, if the U.S., the U.S.'s lesson there is, like, with the wealth that you have, and if you're American, like, your wealth is incredible compared to the wealth of a kid who's collecting cobalt in the Congo. I mean, certainly we have poor people in America, but it doesn't compare to the poverty in other parts of the world. And one of the things that, you know... It's really interesting. Like, you almost had to have, like, a um, 
kind of like a had like a double consciousness about it how you approach politics because even if you were talking about the way that you feel about Africa you want these great things for Africa when you have even somebody who is um the good a president as I feel like Obama has been it's not like he was able to turn the tides for that continent in in any real way um it was significant like he was able to turn the tides of police brutality or wage gaps for African Americans and several other things. I mean, he tried, but even when he just talked about Henry Louis Gates being arrested by a cop outside his house unnecessarily, everybody came after him and said, well, that's not proper to say blah, 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 blah. And so he has these extra blinders on, not blinders, excuse me, extra cuffs on things he can't do and he can't say. So you, you have to kind of accept some things that people can't do, you know, it's weird. We spend so much time fighting over these little issues about like kneeling in football stadiums and you know what happened in Cambridge and all that stuff that we're it's almost like we're never going to get to the big issues and people would rather not even think about where their cobalt comes from because it's so complicated to solve. Well, fuck it being complicated to solve. No one wants to feel guilty about it. Yeah. Yeah. The devices we're using to record this podcast. I mean, seriously. Like there's 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 no escaping it. it. It's it's within everything we do, you know. Is there? I'm not trying to find like a, a comfort at the end of this. Like the good news is, but is there a takeaway? I mean, how do we be more like? How do we be more like the Wakanda at the end of Black Panther, and less like the actual United States right now? Um, well, I think the answer has to start with not being afraid to, uh, had a conversation. I mean, one thing that is really interesting to me, and we don't have time to jump into it because we've gone pretty long already, but uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates does a great job in his, his run of Black Panther of describing all the responsibilities of a king. I mean, it's the first rule of government. Typically, it's to protect your people. Uh, the way you do that through force, through soft power, through persuasion, like how does that function? Um, it's its own thing. But the first thing that's present for any of that to happen is to not run away from the conversation and not realize that having your some of your comfort uh, means that other people have to suffer. Mm-hmm. And if you want people to suffer less, you have to give up things that you have mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Or at least the comfort of some of those things. Goods won't be as cheap. Blah 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 blah. So on and so forth. There, there are sacrifices that would have to be made that you might not want to make. Mm-hmm. And that was true for white people during the civil rights movement who did choose to, you know, come out and say they felt like things needed to change. Is if you're in a privileged position, um, and you want to do more than just feel bad, the first thing that happens is, and I mean, this goes for, mm-hmm. for myself and Keith as well, and looking at, you know, how people are coming up from some of the areas we came from and aren't able to do as well, like, when it comes down to it, if there's a chance to do something, uh, even if it's just to, like, tell people, don't treat this like it's nothing, yeah. um, are you willing to have that uncomfortable conversation? Yeah. Well, yeah, but... But yeah, that's something I think that we'll have to work on as a country, because we don't even treat each other right. 
like we wouldn't sacrifice like as a majority of America wouldn't sacrifice certain luxuries to help out other Americans. So they there damn are, there sure are not Americans gonna do who it. wouldn't sacrifice a fucking Starburst. That's what I'm saying. So they damn sure not gonna do it for some people that they ain't, that's on a whole other side of the world. So I'm sorry, let me on that point, this is a great point. Accord I don't I'm this I don't know if this is fake news. I don't believe it is. I read it. I'm gonna double check it now while we sit here. I read that Jeff Bezos paid zero dollars in in taxes. Now is that true? I don't know. Uh but let's let's the thing is, so whether it's true or not, oh, he's paid no federal taxes. There we go. All right. Amazon made five point six billion dollars in profits and Jeff Bezos paid no taxes. Well, actually not just him, Amazon itself paid no federal taxes. Now, when you go through the comments of these stores, what's really funny is some people say, Oh, it's ridiculous, blah blah blah. And then you'll see like liberal snowflake. If you could pay no taxes, you wouldn't pay any taxes either. And I'm thinking to myself, what asshole would just sit up here and pay no taxes? Like that that sounds great, sure, but like taxes do go to something. Um, as an individual, if I could get away with paying zero and I just was making a crap ton of money, I'm not saying I'm going to put up 90% of my, uh, my income, but damn, like zero. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> like zero. That's, <laughs> that's laughable, man. This makes me think though, while I sit in beautiful California and go to nice movie theaters with air conditioning and drink my giant Diet Coke and my popcorn, like I have an incredible amount of relative comfort in the world. And I hear you, you're right. Like it's not going to change while I am this comfortable. I mean, well, and, look, I said it's. Uh, no, but it's, 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 it's true. I am. No, but I, that doesn't I mean all the. I think all the time about how incredibly lucky I am, and even from like a religious standpoint of like, how is this going to look if there is like a Saint Peter and a Jesus who say, "So what did you do? <laughs> like, did you did you help every single person you could help?" I'm like, no. Hell no, I didn't. <laughs> so I think I think this is good. I'm not saying I'm going to join the Peace Corps, but. I think this is helpful to think about a lot to have it in my mind yeah. as I go out in the world and think about how I approach things. Like, do I approach like a, a homeless person as like, oh man, this is an annoyance to me. Or do I approach it as this is something where I can be of small service to someone else? Well, first off, I think to add to that is that there's this, I don't think it's just an American thing, but there's this whole concept that everybody feels like they're just supposed to be happy. Like all the goddamn time. And that you were put on this world just to be happy, just to be this little happy little thing running around. But that's not that's not the case, or that's not what I believe. And that's why I think some people get too so caught up into purpose when really in my in my honest opinion, your purpose is what you what co- contributions you give to mankind. But didn't I feel like generationally we've made that mistake. Like it's I don't know where it started, but um, Chris Rock had this joke on uh, on his Netflix special when he said people who were like real young, like in their, uh, you know, early 20s, become him talking about, hi, Chris, that was such a great job you do, blah, blah, blah. Well, he said even younger than they said, it's Mr. Rock, bitch. <laughs> like, like, people don't be having shame. They don't let them fail. I actually saw a video, it was real funny the other day, where this uh, coach, it's, it's satire, but this coach is, uh, 
out there with kids on the field and youth soccer, and they playing with no ball. And it was so everybody could feel like they were winners. Mm. And like, and that, which I was kind of confused. It was like, well, even in this parody, like, how does the goalie know he did his thing or not? Like, uh, it, was, it was stupid. But it's just, you know, we really, we don't do things to allow each other to feel sympathetic to one another. We don't talk enough about failure um, and how that's not a bad thing. And how, like, you, yeah, and how you just really gotta, you gotta go through stuff, like, recognize the negative things recognize it don't just don't dwell in it and just keep moving really use that something to make you stronger like everybody just want to be happy even when people talk about religion they be like oh god just want to you know god wants me to be happy he wants this i'm like where did you read that <laughs> first and foremost <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't like, think the Bible says that in particular. It does, n- like, <laughs> never. God don't care how happy you are. God well, wants he, you to serve. He's, he's more concerned. Yeah, he's concerned with that, and he's concerned about your holy soul. I'm sorry I got too religious just now. But that's... that's <laughs> but it's a good, it's a good like shorthand metaphor for almost anything. Like I would, I'm happy to take it from the religious standpoint too. I know that like there's people listening who are totally tuning out like every time we say God, <laughs> but, but like every religion is, is basically think about how you're treating others. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, th- there are tenets at the very least to say, that, you know, like you, you could put up on a board every religion. There was, I saw something that had a good example of this. I'm making this up. This is not what I said, but, uh, just, don't be an asshole for the sake of being an asshole. Like that's what a lot of them are. <laughs> exactly. You know, so some people some people are that because it's apparently cool. Um, I we about to come up on an hour, you guys, y'all. Yeah, so let, let's. I think, I man, we, wrap it up. this has been fun. Yeah, uh, there's a lot more to say. We'll yeah. we will have plenty more things to say. Um, in future episodes, we're gonna. Uh, Man, there's so many really cool things we're possibly going to talk about. I know uh, we talked about Gotham by Gaslight possibly being a future episode coming up, and I hope we do that one because there's a personal story with one of our hosts that I think you guys will really enjoy. All right, um, so see you guys next time. Really excited. Hope you enjoyed the conversation, and uh, you know, hear from us soon. This was good. Thank you. Yeah, of course, man. Peace.